Thank you so much to all of the singers and to the band who lead us into the presence of God and to all of the tech and the media people who you can't see, but they're there in the dark and they're making it possible for you to see and to hear us. And God, if this plague had to happen, thank you for allowing it to happen at this time in history when we can at least connect through cyberspace. Thank you, Lord, for every empty seat in this auditorium here tonight because that represents a member of the body of Christ here in the Wabash Valley who is carrying your light to our dark world this evening. And hopefully they and many more are worshiping with us right now. When you're feeling as if you're at the end of your rope and you're wondering if this could get any worse, I'm going to remind you of some good things tonight. We have food. We have electricity. It's spring here and not the dead of winter. We have the internet and telephones and cars and ways to communicate as we isolate. So many good things, so many good things. And so many things could be so much worse. So let's not forget those good things. These are such interesting days in which we live the floating, surreal sense of unreality we feel as we peer outside the windows of our homes or perhaps the rolled up tight windows of our cars or at the images on our screens is an out-of-body experience, sort of. Today is day 17 for us of this new world, and we don't know how many are left. We know we have at least 27 more days of this, according to the national guidelines, and maybe more after, after that. So my question to you right now is, what are you doing with this time? What are you learning? I hope that you're journaling every single day. I hope you're writing down your thoughts and your feelings and what you hear the Lord whispering in your ear as you're talking to him about all of this. What is he saying to you? What I hope all of us are beginning to become aware of is the fact that we will not go back to the way things were before this started. This will end, and we will emerge from this, but more than likely we are all going to be changed in so many ways. Life will never be exactly the same. So how is he changing you? In this season of pruning and stripping away, are you allowing him to strip you of so much of the messiness that wants to cling to us from the world around us? Are you allowing him to perhaps remove some of the selfishness of our generation, maybe some of the materialism of our society? Are you letting go of some of the power grabs and the status ladders and the need to be king or queen of the mountain? Are you learning at least a little bit how to be still and be silent for a few minutes and just listen for his voice? Are you loving your family just a little better? Are you becoming just a little more tolerant of those who might be different from you? Are you allowing him to change your value system and what drives you every day? Don't let the pain and the confusion and the frustration of this season be wasted when all of this is over, how is he changing you? I'm taking my thought this evening from the book of Joshua, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, and then verse 6. 
chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, and then verse 6. And beginning at chapter, at verse 1, I will read, And it came to pass, when all the people were clean passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and you shall carry them over with you, and you shall leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Take twelve stones out of the middle of the river and take them home with you. That this may be a sign among you, verse 6, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean? You can tell them. You can tell them. I'm going to talk to you for just a very few minutes about when we pass over. When we pass over. I love rocks. Rocks are really beautiful things. Even the ugly rocks are beautiful to me. I love examining them and seeing the different markings which run through them. And I wonder what part of nature produced their shape and their color and their smoothness or their roughness. In our home, we have this pedestal, which is to my left here tonight. And inside that pedestal are things that are very precious to us, things that really we treasure most from our trips abroad and around the United States. There are rocks from the places we have visited. This one says, Ancient Philippi. 2017. This says the Dead Sea, 331.19, a year ago yesterday. This one says Lungholm Castle, Rodby, Denmark, 2019. This one was from June of 2009, and it came from Bar Harbor, Maine. And I'll never forget that trip because it was a Three-week vacation, our family was privileged to take. The only time we were ever able to get away with just the four of us for that long of a time. And we drove all the way from Louisiana to Bar Harbor, Maine, and back down. And it was just an amazing time. This one's from the Maui North Shore, and my children picked it up July 2015. There's tons of rocks in here. A lot of times I will stand in our home and I will just look at the rocks. I'll read them just like I did just then and I'll pick them up and I'll remember everything about them. When I pick up that rock, I remember the weather that day when I picked it up and I remember what the shoreline or the 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 the, the street looked like and I'll remember who we were with and I'll remember the circumstances around them and for the most part, those rocks come from once-in-a-lifetime memories of happy times and happy places. But we're not the only ones who use rocks as physical reminders of memorable times. Throughout history, rocks have been used to create altars to God as reminders of his deliverance and saving power from dark circumstances. 
That passage that we just read from Joshua is talking about what happened at the very end of the Exodus experience. After poor Moses was assigned the task of leading that very difficult group of people out of Egypt. After they had whined and complained and tempted God and been absolutely detestable. To the point they caused even Moses to lose his temper as well as his ticket to the promised land. After God punished them by making them wander outside the border for 40 years, and after they had crossed the Red Sea on dry ground and been delivered from poisonous snakes and plagues and been fed angels' food from heaven for decades, after all that, after Moses and the complainers had died, and Joshua was now the one leading them, finally, God gave Joshua the order to bring them across the Jordan and to take possession of the land. Finally, that long, long, long season of quarantine was ending. I have sat for the past few days and I've allowed my imagination to run a little wild, wondering what we can learn from the children of Israel leaving Egypt. I'm reading the Bible through chronologically this year, And it struck me for the first time, although I know I had read it before, it struck me for the first time that they were led out of Egypt on the first day of the first month, and the first recorded rebellion is on the 15th day of that month. It didn't take them but 15 days to forget what was going on in their life. They forgot about all of the slavery to which they had been subjected. They forgot about the fact that their life was not their own in Egypt and they were persecuted on every side. They only remembered always having a good selection of food to eat with different spices to spice it up. They remembered having permanent houses and clothing and they remembered having enough water to drink and a lot of the conveniences of life. And because of the fact they were spoiled to conveniences, they really didn't even care about the fact that God wanted to lead them into something so much better and so much richer and so much more amazing. He wanted to be their source instead of them allowing their enemies to be their source. He wanted to provide their land instead of allowing it to be allocated to them by their enemies. He wanted to show them riches and shower them with unimaginable blessings instead of allowing it to only be rationed to them by those who were over them and did not worship their God. But they couldn't see it. They couldn't see the end result and therefore they complained and complained and complained about the passageway to the end result. So let me just stop right here for a minute and ask you to ponder all of this with me. What if God is actually trying to use this global crisis to bring the church collectively and you individually into a much better, much richer, incredibly more amazing place in his kingdom? What if God is trying to speak to you through all this and say, I am your source. The government is not your source. The medical system is not your source. The economy is not your source. I am your source. 
What if God is wanting to provide miraculous things in your life and be your comfort and your security forever instead of you relying on the fickleness of humanity and modern conveniences? And what if you're going through this kicking and screaming and complaining and shaking with fear over what you see around you instead of what you know from his word? This is a critical point in this season for all of us. For us as the church, collectively, and for us all individually. We are making choices every single day, whether we are standing on the promises of his word or whether we are only seeing what is around us. We are making choices every single day to either complain or comply. We are making choices every single day to either resist or restructure. We're making choices every single day to either fight or to follow. We're making choices every single day to beg to go back to the ritual of religion or to choose to follow him into deeper relationship. We're making choices every single day to either long for what was or listen for what he wants. We are not supposed to emerge from this the same way. We are supposed to be different when this is over. This is supposed to change us. Our lives were comfortable, maybe way too comfortable. Our lives were convenient, probably way too convenient. Throughout this season of shaking and upheaval, I don't want to be one upon whom God looks and says, she's longing for the old comfortable ways with which she was familiar and I can't use her. Let her die in her wilderness. I have to find someone who's excited enough about a new land, a new environment, new surroundings to cross one more river and possess a new future. So that's the first choice we all have to make. Do you even want to pass over? Are you even willing and able to pass over? And then, if you're one of the ones who says yes to all of the changes and the newness and the trust in the unknown and the ability to conquer the unseen, then it will be time to cross the Jordan. This season will end. This season will eventually pass. The restrictions will lift and the massive wheels of the economy will slowly begin to turn again. The restaurants will reopen and the stores will all begin to open back up. But life will be different. And there will be a new normal which emerges every single day for a long time. We don't yet know what that will look like. But we can be assured there are some things which will not be the same as they were. The Jordan crossing is only available to those who are okay with that. The Jordan crossing is only available to those who totally trust him and refuse to murmur or complain. The Jordan crossing is only available to those who believe we can take this mountain. The Jordan crossing is only available to the willing, not to the willful. If you're under the sound of my voice right now, I'm believing through faith 
that you have made your choice to pass over. I am believing that you have made your choice to follow wherever he is leading us, to fight for what he has already provided for us, to trust him with the lessons he is teaching us, and to embrace life in a new place with new faith and new hope and new trust. So it is you to whom I am speaking right now. It is with you I am identifying and I am presenting the challenge for when we pass over. You see, when we pass over, we are going to emerge into a new normal. And when we pass over, it is intended that we do so with a lot more faith and hope and trust and dependence on the God of our lives. And when we pass over, we are supposed to be changed. And when we pass over, we are not supposed to forget what he has done for us and in us and hopefully through us. We will pass over. And when we pass over, my question to you is this. What are the rocks you are choosing to carry with you and place in your altar of remembrance? The ones who made it across the Jordan were not supposed to bring rocks from their former life. Nor were they to choose rocks from the new ground on which they stood. They were instructed to choose the rocks from the miracle road they walked through the river. They were instructed to choose the rocks from near where the priest stood in the middle of the dry riverbed with that Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. They were instructed to choose the rocks from an unprecedented roadway where boundaries were fluid and shifting and moving, but where the priests were standing firm, not looking to the left or to the, uh, or to the right, just listening to the voice and obeying without question. So what rocks will you bring with you when we pass over? Each of the tribes were to bring a rock. Joshua didn't choose the stones. The priests didn't choose the stones. Each of the tribes chose their own stones. Judah could have probably named their stone praise. I wonder if the tribe of Manasseh named theirs forget. We will forget the trials and remember only the victories. The tribe of Issachar, they could have named their stone wages or maybe even reward for the fact that God provided them with their income during the trial. What about those in your tribe tonight? Each one of us in our houses will emerge from this with something unforgettable God has done if we allow him to work on us and in us. So in our house, the shock house, we are already collecting stones from the riverbed of the COVID-19 crisis. The shock stone altar will begin with a foundational stone of provision. Through this time of cancellations and shortage of income, the provision of God in our lives has been miraculous. On top of provision, we'll have another family stone of thanksgiving on our altar. The fact that we wear his name and we're called by him to tell others of the good news is enough for us. 
He never has to do another thing for us. Our thanksgiving overflows at his abundance to us in the shock house. When we pass over, my personal stone is going to be a stone of song. God has brought back music into a soul that has been silent for far too long. My days are filled with songs of joy and trust and wonder for what he has done and is doing right now and will do. When we pass over, my husband has told us of how he will bring the stone of vision for the future. Through this dark night, he has awakened morning by morning with God speaking into his spirit words and messages to impart. And as the night gets darker, the voice seems to get louder. When we pass over, our son, who is quarantined in Eastern Europe for the duration of this whole ordeal, will bring the stone of companion to our altar of remembrance, alone for days at a time. He says he's not felt lonely nor abandoned. He has sensed the constant presence of the one who said he will never leave us nor forsake us. When we pass over, my daughter says she's bringing the stone of passion to the altar. Contentment and convenience sometimes dulls our sense of urgency to that which God has called us. And this season has renewed her sense of passion and commitment to her calling. When we pass over our daughter by choice, the gift that God has allowed to join our family and live in our home, will bring the stone of purpose. She is realizing survival and doing good are not all there is to this life. We each have a special purpose. She's realizing survival will not be what will bring her reward but she is realizing that her purpose is becoming clearer to her during this season and during this miracle journey across the riverbed. And when we pass over, we're going to bring two extra stones that we will add to the top, the stone of faith and the stone of hope. His hand will never leave us. And even if death comes, our hope for eternity with him cannot die. Faith and hope are two things. A plague, loss of job security, economic instability, and isolation cannot take from me. Leave me by myself in a room with nobody or nothing to talk to or see. And faith will remain there. Hope will remain there. And he will remain there. When we pass over, these stones will forever be on our COVID-19 altar. And in days and years to come, when our children's children are sifting through the stones, which will at that point be placed in a bowl or a container of some sort in our home, and then their home, they will ask, what do these stones mean? And whomever is there will tell them. They will tell them, of a time in 2020 when the world turned upside down and life as we knew it changed overnight. 
that will tell them of the fear that surrounded us like a thick, dark cloud, and then how the presence of God dispelled it from us, that will tell them of the uncertainty we faced over where the next paycheck would come from and how the needs were always met before we even ask. That will tell them of the silence we had lived in for a long time because of trials of life and how during the dark night the song broke through and the music began echoing off the walls again. That will tell them of times which should have been painfully lonely and how the friend that sticks closer than a brother eased to the isolation and provided solace and companionship. I saw a lot of the porch pictures so many of you posted on Instagram of a drive-by photographer who captured pictures of you standing on your porches in your family groups. That was such a great idea. You will forever remember COVID-19 when you look at those pictures. But in addition to the porch pictures tonight, I challenge you to add something else to your home. An altar of stones from every member of your family to remind yourselves and your children and their children what God did for you and how he has kept you during this dark, confusing time of our lives. Don't wait until you reach the other side to gather your stones. Gather them now from the middle of the riverbed. Gather them from the place from which you didn't think you could pass through. Gather them from around the feet of the priest who are standing firm upon the word. Begin gathering your stones now and bring them with you to the other side. Because when we pass over, we will bring stones from the place where the priest stood firm upon the word. And we will tell them, these stones are eternal. And when we pass over, we will tell them how heaven and earth will someday pass away, but the rocks which come from the middle of the riverbed will never fade away. And when we pass over, life won't be the same. It will be different. But he is fighting for us, and we will win the battles every single time. And when we pass over, our souls will sing. Our souls will make this place an altar. And we will place our stones where they will stand for our children and our children's children and then their children. All this will be when we pass over because we will pass over. This won't last forever. And when we pass over, which stone will you be holding in your hands? May God richly bless and protect and keep every one of you until we're all together in this place again after we have passed over. God bless you.